a lot of Jewish humor has to do with it ties in a little bit of the pathos and the challenge of life. When my son was starting to take European history and they were starting off with the Spanish Inquisition, one of the first things I did was show him the clip of Mel Brooks during the Spanish Inquisition number from History of the World Part One, and we shared that laugh together. And here's this Jewish comedian making fun of this difficult time of Jewish history in a way that's mocking. It wasn't like celebrating, but it was almost from a place of survival that we made it looking back at a difficult time in history with this sort of song and dance and mocking and making fun of it. I'm Rabbi Deborah Waxman, and I'm so happy to welcome you to Hashivenu, a podcast about Jewish teachings on resilience. And today I'm so happy to have with me as my guest, Rabbi Seth Goldstein. Um, Seth, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. So, ordinarily we're talking about Jewish teachings on resilience, but this episode is a little bit different. We're going to bring the perspective from resiliency practices onto Judaism rather than just raising up Jewish practices that point toward and cultivate resilience. Because today we're going to talk about humor. (laughs) (laughs) Good. We're going to have laughter and enjoying humor and being funny. We come to this conversation because when I was reviewing different writings on resilience, for sure, employing humor, enjoying humor is a resilience factor. It really helps to cultivate a strong and affirmative response to the world and all the challenges it creates. So I turned to you, Seth, because you're you're funny. <laughs> you know, like as a, <laughs> as a person and as a rabbi, in the years that I've known you, the humor that you bring to how you carry yourself in the world has, um, A, entertained me and B, inspired me. And I have seen you really powerfully use humor in your rabbinate, and I thought a conversation on this would be really interesting and really rich. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for all the pressure to be funny on the <laughs> podcast. So, uh, but uh, it's a great it's a great topic to talk about because it's something, at least for me, it's something that comes somewhat naturally in my life, and to be able to reflect back on it, fascinating, and especially thinking about it in the context of resilience, I think it's, it's very interesting to think about humor in that way and how we use it, and um, and uh, incorporated into our lives. I think that's exactly right. I find, personally, when people describe me as an individual and as a rabbi, they would not say funny at the top of the list the way I raised it up for you, even as you bring many, many other characteristics and attributes into the world. So I I think as we move forward, I think the richest path is mostly about how do we enjoy humor? How do we open ourselves to laughter and to joy? In thinking about it from a Jewish perspective, it's very funny because, you know, there is this common joke, how can you sum up Judaism? They tried to kill us. They didn't succeed, let's eat. (laughs) You know, even that joke has a tragic cast to it. Yet, I I do think that when you look at, there's Jewish history, which is can be very sad or very challenging. There's Jewish practice, which is full of invitations for enjoyment and engaging with pleasure, even with joy in what we're doing. And then, you know, there is the, on the year cycle, there is this, um, the holiday of Sukkot, where we are expressly commanded that this is Zman Simchatenu, this is the season of our joy. It is about a deep immersion into, if not humor, then at least a lightness of spirit, an embrace of happiness. Yeah, I mean, I think, Peter, what's interesting with the idea of Sukkot being Specifically called, as you say, is Mansim Chatenu—the time that we're supposed to be to be happy. The question is, well, what, is, what does that mean, and why Sukkot specifically? And and I, I think that 
part of that comes from the proximity to Yom Kippur and Rosh Hashanah and the high holidays and the fact that we've just been through this really intense time of self-reflection, of of taking stock of our lives and we have that imagery of the Book of Life. We look back on the year that's just passed and, and the poses we might have faced. We make commitments for the year forward. We go through this intense period of time, those 10 days, and then we have Sukkot. And it's like this big relief. We can begin building the Sukkah as Yom Kippur ends. Now we're immediately to move into this time of happy. I find that I never really celebrated Sukkot much growing up, but as, as an adult and now as a rabbi, I find such a joy in the celebration. And, and uh, I love Sukkot because of that. It feels like a big release. And I think that that, that really brings it to stark contrast where I think that we have the heaviness of life and the lightness of life, and they go together. And they go together. And I think that's where humor comes in because humor is not brought in at the expense of difficult things, but maybe but despite it. And that we, we use humor as a tool. Or I use humor as a tool. I think we, we all are using humor as a tool to sort of lighten some of that darkness. Not by way of getting rid of it, but by, but by just recognizing that there is an ephemeral nature to life and that we, we have to enjoy it, but also that we know that, because we know that things could be different. I love that image of release. I've never really thought about it that way, but you know, that's what happens when you laugh. You're emptied out in a certain way, you know, the, the breath that flows out of you and unlocks kinks in your neck and tightness in your shoulders. And it is a real release. And, and then with the deep intake of breath, you get to start again. And that's exactly what you're proposing writ large. And the uh, Jewish calendar right around that time, that's sort of how it feels very spiritually. And that's how... Um, you know, humor comes into my life at, at times as well. I think that a lot of times we use humor even in meetings, you know, yeah. things where we have a difficult conversation or, or we're uh, debating an important issue. Not to make light of the issue or not to say it's not serious, but sometimes you just need to break the tension or else you're not going to be able to move forward. And with a little bit of humor and levity, it just sort of eases things and brings things down a bit that we've been able, okay, maybe we can see things clearer now or see things in a different way and move forward. And I've just found it to be, I hadn't thought about it this way uh, before, but it, it is a it is a tool that we use as humans to, to cope with difficult situations and not to deny that difficulty exists, but to at least find a way of moving through them. I've officiated funerals where Sometimes we just bring it in levity, and it's not to make light of the grief and the loss, but part of remembrance is, is remembering, is being able to laugh at that as well, And because there are those happy times that we're remembering, but also to ease that, that tension that comes. So there's, that life is, is a mix of all of those things, of, of the loss and, and the life, and I think humor, humor does that. I think that's exactly right. I, I agree with the wisdom of what you're saying. I'm just thinking about it as a tool. It's not one of my tools. My brother-in-law does stand-up, and it, for him, humor is the first thing he leads with, and it's a way where he builds relationships and even sometimes digs at people like in very funny ways. Like He's a truth-teller in a certain way. I never use humor with strangers because, for me, it's my, my family and my closest people. It's where I'm most comfortable, partly because I'm not very good at remembering jokes, uh, but also I'm afraid of getting it wrong, you know. And uh, for me, the tools are more about 
um, song or storytelling, perhaps, but without the humor. But that said, enjoying humor, opening myself to it, orienting myself to it is really it feels very, very important. I, I was thinking that, you know, I have a gratitude practice that I say every morning. I say, Moda ani lefanecha. I am, you know, grateful to you, God, for returning my soul to me. I don't necessarily have a a laughter practice or a humor practice. Though I'm constantly looking for like someone tell me about a funny movie. Every movie I feel like that's on Netflix that says it's a comedy. I'm, I always feel betrayed because I'm crying in it. You know, I, I just want to laugh and laugh. I think that is part of the practice to, to seek it out. I mean, I think that as reflecting that guy, because I, it's part of my toolkit, but there are some things that I, I am not a good song leader. I mean, I, I enjoy music a lot and I really get into it when I'm, not the leader of it. I find it challenging times to introduce songs to these new melodies and I might get it wrong and I really have to work on it. And humor is something that I feel comes naturally to me. If I'm going to, if I make a decision to introduce a new melody in a, in a service, I really have to work at it and think about it and listen to it. It doesn't really come naturally, but I, I definitely open myself up to, so that, that music piece is is hard for me, but the opening up to it, I think, is part of practice as well. So I, I definitely open myself up to music and enjoy it and, and, and let myself go with it. And I think that seeking out humor and humorous situations and being able to laugh, and it's, it is, that is the practice in a way. It's a sort of a, and being able to um, see the, the humor in a situation, be able to uh, accept the, the release that comes at times and not be dismissive of it. I think that's, that is, that is, that is part of the practice. That is part of the practice. It's the humility to be able to, to, to go with that. And I think that there's a, there's a humility piece. Being able to accept humor is, is sort of a, a little bit of letting go of control. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a part of what it means to, for humility is that the recognition of the lack of control that we have in life and to be able to just go with something and to laugh uncontrollably and to find a situation that's humorous and you know I'm sure we've all been in those times where we just start laughing and just can't stop and I just want to bring the least that is and, and opening ourselves up to to doing that I think it's really important it's really important I think also when you talk about humility I mean for me uh, there's, there's laughing at you know, funny situations or the um, the unexpected or the, the juxtaposition between what you thought was going to happen and what really did happen. But then there's also the laughing at myself, which I feel like that's been a really important uh, capacity to develop. And that, too, goes with an acceptance of... Um, my smallness in the universe, like that really, it doesn't all revolve around me. And boy, do I find myself in silly situations. Boy, do I place myself in silly situations sometimes. Right. Yeah. And the ability to laugh at ourselves is great. That's why I think humor, humor at the expense of other people is not really humor. I mean, that's just, this just this and mean. And it's not because I think that it's, um, that's exerting power, setting up, and that's not drawing close, that's pushing apart. And so I think that humor is appropriate in some situations and, and not in others. It might be funny to some if it's at the, at the expense of, of others. I think it's really not getting at what humor does. And I think that as you introduce the theme of resilience, I think that we really, we, we, we're resilient people when we're able to create strong bonds with one another and when we're able to draw close with one another and know that we can connect with and rely on one another. I think the ability to to add levity and to 
to bring in humor into a situation is really also based on that relationship and trust that comes with with making connections with one another. We're able to say funny things. Really, I don't really use humor in a situation that I'm not necessarily comfortable or I'm new or I'm a stranger or I'm with new people because there's not that that basis of relationship and trust that comes with it. Once that develops, that develops, then it's a way of deepening the relationships and deepening the resilience that we need as humans that comes from being in relationship with one another. For sure. And, you know, they say humor is negotiated. There is no such thing as objectively funny. It happens, as you said, in relationship and it happens in context. And you're exactly yeah. right that all of the resilience literature points out that interconnection, that community is absolutely essential to uh, to resilience. That, you know, even the POWs in Vietnam, which was a major source of study for how to be resilient, critical factors had to do with the code that they determined to tap out in order to communicate with each other, that it wasn't that they were resilient in their isolation, it was their connection with each other, even in extreme circumstances, that enabled them to withstand and recover significantly from that. So I think you're exactly right, that humor is it's one of the things that strengthens those bonds, ideally. Right, yeah, one of the other things that I think about when I think about humor, although it's not about humor per se, it's just the, the enumeration in our in our Jewish literature about what, what is an act of chesed, right? What do you do with And you have the you know, homing and visiting the sick and tending to the, the mourning, and those are the ones we naturally think of as a reaching out at, to someone in a time of, of need. But also included in that list is celebrating with the bride and groom, right? so celebrating a simcha, and that that is an act of chesed, the ability to, to celebrate and to share joy with one another is an act of chesed. It's an act of loving kindness. It's what you says. It helps us build those those relationships. So it's not just supporting people when they're low, but celebrating when they're high. And I, I relate that to humor because it's sharing sharing their laughter and not just the sadness that people want to be able to um, connect with one another on not just at those difficult times, but but at the but at the happy times as well. It's lovely. It's part of that whole you were talking about, about the you know the joy and the sorrow being intertwined. I think that's exactly right. I'm not a sociologist or, or school of humor, but I, I know that we see how even in, in popular culture, how you know, Jewish humor, there's such a thing that's talked about. And a lot of Jewish humor has to do with, it you know, ties in a little bit of the pathos and the challenge of life. When my son was starting to take European history, and they were starting off with the Spanish Inquisition. One of the first things I did was show him the clip of Mel Brooks during the Spanish Inquisition number from History of the World Part 1, and we shared that laugh together, and here's this Jewish comedian making fun of this difficult time of Jewish history in a way that's mocking. It wasn't like celebrating, but it was that, and you know, almost from a place of survival, that we made it, looking back at a difficult time in history with this sort of song and dance, and mocking and making fun of it, and um, was an example of that interplay between humor that uh, with a little bit of darkness in it, again, that interplay between light and dark, it sort of sharpens the humor a bit and makes it more real. For sure. When I think about Jewish humor, especially in, in the American landscape, there's always an edge. I mean, when I was a kid, quite possibly the most well-known Jew in America was Woody Allen. And I don't know if it's true today, but three or four years ago, it might have been John Stewart. I mean, the comedians. And yeah. as we're speaking, Al Franken has a book on the bestseller list about his time in, in the Senate. Like, you know, like there is this particular kind of 
Jewish humor, and it is a lot of the characters we're talking about. There's a certainly a willingness to make fun of oneself, and right. you know, like the humility that's there. In most of these instances, it is deeply about connection. You know, I, when I think about John Stewart's project, it's definitely about community. There's a serious effort to build up a certain sensibility, even as he brings satire and and mocking and self mocking. Uh, you know, first and foremost, self mocking to the conversation. Right. There's that self awareness and self mocking, and as I said earlier, humility that 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 comes with that. That I think is is really important. And um, I, I think it's interesting. You know, we were talking earlier about a, a toolkit. For me too, it's been a label that I've always resisted in a way. I've been told like, oh, you have a sense of humor, or that's been when people talk about me, they mention that for for a long time. It was, it was a label I resisted because I felt it was too frivolous or light or not serious enough. But the more I think about it, it is a way we deal with life, being very self-aware and being able to really cut through difficult situations that I've, I've come to embrace it as, as a part of a, what I can bring to the work that I do. Well, first, let me thank you for being willing to embrace it in this setting, you know, because I wouldn't have known that. When when I asked you to come on, you didn't signal any of the ambivalence. So thanks for that. And then, I, you know, it's <laughs> fascinating. I know you for your substance. I know you for your teaching. I know all the ways that you bring gravitas into your work and into the world. I don't know that it's like sacred envy, you know, or any kind of envy, but it's like there's a bit of awe of like, isn't that fun? Ha, ha, ha. I'm, you know, like you make me laugh. You Like I get the release and it's like, I could never do that, you know, to know that that's one of the things that I admire in you and in other people who really are genuinely funny. So maybe as we wind down, I'll ask, you know, Rabbi, do you have any wisdom to offer for someone like me who enjoys humor and is trying to, maybe this is too serious a question in and of itself. Well, I want to cultivate humor. I do really feel like as much as I possibly can, I want to orient myself toward joy, toward affirmative emotions. Do you have any advice for me about how to me or others like me about how to open ourselves up to humor, how to achieve that release, how to laugh more. I mean, it's a wonderful question because as you were reflecting back, and I uh, thank you so much for for the podcast and and uh, for those kind words. And I, I think about all the others like you and and others who I know have skills that I don't have that I need to that I envy as well. And in terms of looking at you know, like I mentioned earlier, seeing like ability to be much more fluid in song is is one. And I think that. Um, I think that we just need to be able to recognize the humor and, and not taking ourselves too seriously. I think that that's what I've come to learn. That I think that part of humor is that ability to laugh at oneself and laugh at life because life is really difficult at times and it's very ephemeral at times. And the ability to not take anything too, too seriously. I mean, there are serious things in life, but to recognize that there's always a bit of humor, a little bit of laughter in the difficult times as well. Uh, and to seek it out and, and to look for it and, and know that we're not dismissing what's serious, but we're just finding a way to to really recognize or find the light uh, in the shadows. To be open to that, I, I wish I knew a, a magic practice like something with gratitude to be able to, or, or you know, worthwhile practice to, to do, but I think it's just really a mindset, the ability to just be, to be open to it, to not take ourselves too seriously and... Um, recognize when we have to be serious, but also recognize when we can just let things go a little bit. And just being 
open to that. Thank you, Seth. It's, it's lovely and light and, um, you know, light and, and heavy at the same time to have this conversation with you. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you. I feel like we, have, we got through this without telling any jokes. Let's give it a try. Do you have a joke? Oh, I've got lots of jokes. I, okay. I mean, I think I, I, I can, um, <laughs> well, I'll tell, um, okay, I'll tell a quick joke. I think that there's, I've used jokes, too, in, in teaching in the center. I think that there's some, I don't know if they're specifically Jewish jokes are the ones I know in the context that I think carry some some real truth to it. And I, so the one that comes to mind that is uh, real quick is about the, the flood that happened to the town. And uh, don't stop if you've heard this one. <laughs> this one that happens in the town and as the water's sitting, the, the local rabbi is, is making his way through the waters and a boat comes in. and says, Rabbi, come on in. We're, we're getting to dry land. Come with us. And the rabbi waves him off and says, no, 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 go go save somebody else. Uh, I'll be okay. God will take care of me. And you know, they argue a bit back and forth, but then uh, the boat goes on because the waters, the waters continue to rise. They're up to the, the rabbi's chin, and another boat comes by and says, Rabbi, get in the boat. Come on, we're going to dry land. You, you can't stay here. And the rabbi says, no, no, go go on. You save somebody else. Uh, God will take care of me. And after a little bit of arguing, they, they can't stay and they, they keep going. The waters continue to rise. They're up to the, the rabbis, to the roof of a house, and a helicopter swoops down and drops a ladder, and they call the rabbi, get up, come, come, we have to get to dry land. And the rabbi waves them off, saying, no, no, go, go send somebody else. I'll be okay. God will, God will protect me. So the helicopter goes off to look for more, uh, more people to rescue. Meanwhile, the waters continue to rise, and the rabbi drowns. The rabbi's up in heaven, and he goes to God, and he's furious. Because all this time he's spent as a, uh, living a pious life, he thought that in his moment of need, God will come down and protect him. And so he goes right up to God and says, God, what happened? There I was. I was in this flood. I needed your help. I needed, I needed you to come down and save me. What happened? And God looks at him and says, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What more do you want? <laughs> <laughs> and it's—I mean, it's just one of my favorites because I think that it's—you uh, know—there's a theological lesson there as well. We talked about the light and darkness. I think there's sometimes a bit of theology and humor as well. There's the ability to to see where our blessings are and to keep our our eyes open and our hearts open to what to what comes because what we're expecting might not come in the way or the form that we we think it is. So. Yeah, that's, my, that's my joke for that's, today. It's a great joke. I, it made me, it's a great joke. It made, it reminded me of uh, my, my joke, which I don't think has necessarily any lessons from it, but um, I, I am famous for like forgetting the punchline and losing my way in the middle of a joke, which is why I don't use humor that much, you know, this, at least that kind of humor. <laughs> a man has a cat that he absolutely loves and he's going away on vacation and uh, he hires a cat sitter. He's away for a couple of weeks and he comes home and the cat sitter says, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but your cat died while you were away. And the man is so incredibly shocked and says, I mean, I'm so sad about my cat, but that's not how you should have told me. And the cat sitter says, well, how should I have told you? And he said, well, you should have called me up one day and said, the cat's climbed up a tree. And then you should call me the next day and say, the cat's stuck on the tree. And then you should have worked up to the fact that the cat got sick on the tree and 
and died. And, and that's how you should have told me. And the guy says, okay, I'm really sorry for your loss. And they part ways. And the next summer, the guy's going away again, and he calls us the same person to do the house sitting. And about three days into his two-week vacation, the, the house sitter calls up and says, so your grandmother is stuck up in a tree. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it was great. It's, it's interesting. So I'll just say this: that the most of our jokes that we chose, they off the top of our heads, had to do with death. Yeah, <laughs> that know, is really know, interesting. Something there. I think that there's we weren't mocking it, but there's something here, and it's sort of adding a little bit of. I think that's where the edge comes a little bit. And I think that we're humor, you know, sort of. We know that death is a part of life, and there's a bit of the resilience in that to be able to sort of at this moment we're not. Um, facing it immediately, but recognizing that aspect of life and to be able to take a moment and, and share a laugh about it. That's, that's really interesting. That's where our minds point. Yeah, I mean, I, the whole time we've been talking, I've been thinking about there's a, some saying about the difference between comedy and tragedy. Comedy is tragedy plus time. Oh, that's it. That's exactly it. That those jokes kind of collapse it a little bit, you know, that they are about, there's the tragedy of the death, or not, you know, but not all deaths are tragic. But well, they're... but I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use that joke at a funeral, but I think, right. I think that there's a, you know, a different aspect of when we're in a place where we can look back and uh, on, reflect on life and death and that that comes into play. You know, if, if my joke was about recognizing where um, our blessings might come from, I think your joke was about how we uh, how we incorporate news, right, or, or how we communicate, or how because that's the absurdity of, of the joke is that uh, with applying this one scenario to another scenario, and in terms of how we, you know, how we share information, the relationship between the two people there, as we we're talking about, so there's there's a whole and and death in general, this guy's relationship with his grandmother and, and cats, and <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. Oh, Seth, this is great. Thank you so much. Thanks again. I really am honored. Please visit our website at www.jewishrecon.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast was created and hosted by Rabbi Deborah Waxman. Production and editing by Rachel Burgess. Web support provided by Rabbi Michael Fessler social media and communication support by Bob Burchad, Victoria Genter, and Brian Schwartzman. Our theme song was composed by Hannah Rothman. 